Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, especially St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. They certainly do. Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 from wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out our website, which is wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is produced by our executive producer, Brad Nearman, down in Lando Lakes, Florida. Hi, Brad. Thanks for everything. On today's show, Dave is going to have a conversation as normal with our good friend Dan Johnston from St. Croix. And he's going to visit with a gentleman named Scott Ellison, who is representing the high school fishing camp, which is being staged by Major League Fishing. How cool would it be to attend something like that? And I'm going to get to visit with a uh, great angler from Arkansas. Truly, truly good guy. And man, this guy can fish. Just won a big, big Major League Fishing Cup event. Uh, this guy is the goods, and I'm really going to enjoy talking to Mr. Stephen Browning. But first, let me swing it over to Dave Kranz so he can bring on Dan Johnston. Take it away, David. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back, Dan Johnston. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. So, uh, you know, the last few segments, we, we did different topics, but several times... Uh, bait speed was brought up and how important that was and i thought it'd be a good uh topic to dive into a little bit deeper and uh talk about why it's so important it's a great topic you know dave it ranks right up there with in with regard to importance uh you know of time of year and lure size uh i i would argue that it trumps color for me um is really really important and you know it's it's a it's a big topic because there's some baits, believe it or not, you know, that we work fast in cold water, a lipless uh, rattlebait, for example. And then there's other times where we absolutely can't <laughs> or, or we won't get bit. And, there, and then there's times where trying to work a bait faster than we normally would think we would to try to get a reaction bite. So there, there's a lot of ways we can take this, but it is a really fun topic and it's a critical one and really for all species. Yeah, I, I think for all species because the uh, obviously as the water uh, warms up, the metabolism of these fish get get faster they need to eat more they they're more responsive and in cooler temperatures they're the temperature of the water so they're not moving around as much so that presentation in most cases needs to be um slower or uh, more deliberate perhaps just to put it right in front of them and i think that has something to do with speed also yeah it does and we've we've done podcasts in the past about um so I guess the one of the biggest examples you can give on the importance of speed is in super, super cold water for crappies. What I mean by that specifically is oftentimes that bite is more of a vertical raise and bite than it is a horizontal rundown type thing, like it would be when they're chasing shad on bluff walls in the you know, early summer. So that in that case, speed is literally nothing. You're holding it and lifting it. 
that's the point that I'm trying to make. And in real cold water, you know, we could go to the same thing. On a, you know, here's another example. Let's say we're talking about a bass jig, right? So let's say that water is real cold. Let's say in the upper 40s, uh, mid 40s, they'll bite a jig. But sometimes a lot, you'll hear a lot of anglers talking about having to drag it, or they'll even use like a synthetic or a hair, and they're dragging that jig. Where post spawn on a Missouri lake, when the water is pulling and they're pulling water and the fish are out on bluff points, you're stroking that thing, popping it so hard you can't believe it, like making it jump two foot and fall with a one ounce jig, and that fast fall makes them bite it. Same bait different size, but certainly different speeds. And I, I think that's the topic. Uh, the point of this topic is the importance to understand the importance of understanding. Obviously water temperature is, I would say the biggest one, but another factor could be water clarity. Let's say you have super clear water and it's windy. They'll bite that thing and they're so aggressive, their strike zone is up that you can work that bait fast and they'll run it down and hit it. We're in dirty water. Let's say we're throwing a big bladed spinner bait in dirty water. Not only do you have to throw that bait sometimes 10 times to the same target, but you got to slow that thing down so they can find it. So a lot of times with speed, at least in, in the, the way a lot of us think about it, it's situational. And that can be whether we're wanting a fish to react on it. There's times, Dave, I'm punching in very light cover, punching for largemouth bass in very light cover that's punchable with a three-quarter ounce, but I'm using an ounce and a half because I want it to rock it by their face so they just bite it because they just don't know what else to do. It's not because I need it to get through the cover. It's to make them bite it. So that's where speed comes in, and it's, it's really all baits, all species, and we really have to mess with it to let the fish tell us what to do, but it's, it's a great topic. Yeah, I've had... Uh in the spring, like throwing uh, top water or faster baits, uh, let's say a, a buzz bait, I, I can't seem to get them to hit that till it's about 55 degrees in the spring. But on the way down in the fall, I think I can get them to hit it till it ices up because it's different, isn't it, from rising temperatures to falling temperatures? Yeah, I, yeah, I think in that specific instance, it's where your bait is, in my opinion. So you take a spring water temperature of... 52 and you take a fall water temperature of 52 the only difference is those giant shad are right in on the bank mm -hmm. and that's why they bite that big buzz bait even though the water is the same temperature and i think that's the point about situational a lot of it's driven by bait the size of the bait the clarity the wind the barometer how, how the, the fishing time window are, are they active are they not and it's it's fun because there's so many pieces that go into this but if we get our head around it and I, you know, God rest his soul, but a good friend of mine, Tommy Scarless, who's now with our good Lord, told me one time that there's a science to everything that happens. If you get a bite, try to understand why. What was your retrieve speed? What was your color? What was your, where did you throw it? Was it shaded? Was it not? Was, and, and the more, usually when you think about it deeply, it can make sense and you can start to apply it not only to other parts of the lake, but other lakes in general. Yeah, or the same conditions at a different time that you say, I got bit this way and the winds were this and the barometer. All, all of those things are so important and all, all the, the more reason to keep a log and write some of these things down when things happen that you don't expect and see if you can duplicate them. 
Yeah, I try to do that, and usually it's something little that, that, that you find so many of us, and I fall victim to this all the time, I'll go catch them really good, and I don't really know why. And usually most people write it off, they were biting today. Well, that could be true, but it also could be you put five pieces of the puzzle together, three of which you weren't even aware of. And that's why it's important to dig into every little nuance. You know, what was my line size? How fast was I retrieving that bait? Again, where was I throwing it? And I think that it's in speed on the bait is so critical. We just did an episode on fishing in the wind. And one of the biggest points I made is to stay connected, especially with bottom contact bait, Mm -hmm. specifically meaning throwing right downwind without getting the bow out of your line. The whole point we were trying to make was getting the speed down so they bite at number one and then staying connected so you feel the strike. Yeah, and all the more reason to to vary the speed if you're not getting bit or if you're, you're getting bit, remember why... Um, they were biting there or possibly to change baits to operate at a different speed. Yeah, here's a great example. And I was watching a couple of league guys do this on TV a while back. Watch those guys retrieve a crankbait sometime on cover. They are all over the place with that reel handle. They'll go five fast, one slow, seven fast, two slow. In other words, sometimes they'll throw it out and just wind it in. A lot of times it's a mixed variety of things where if they deflect off something, they'll pause it or they'll burn it or they'll fish a crankbait intentionally too deep for the bottom. So it's intentionally banging off stuff and they're reeling it fast. You can imagine the racket that thing's making down there. That's a speed thing where if you threw that same bait out there and just crawled it clear water and those fish get a good look at it, they don't bite it as much. So it, uh, it's really situational. And I think the best thing you can do is mess around with stuff, try to get that bite and try to get two bites and once you start to put something together usually you're going to find speed is a big part of what you've put together yeah and what you just said about them bumping the cover and that that changes the speed of the bait if you're bumping the cover with a crankbait or you're bumping a dock post with a with a spinner bait or or even bumping a dock post with a, a top water a buzz bait or something that that uh, a soft plastic that can bu- not get hooked up but that changes the speed and that many times causes that reactionary strike it changes the speed throughout the cast. That's why I probably played with a hundred trailers on a bladed jig till I found two or three that really work. And one of them is not rigged on center intentionally. I want it to act like it's drank too much coming through the water. Yeah. That's the whole point is when you, when you speed up that reel retrieve, if you can get a bladed jig to shoot off to the left eight inches, if there's a fish behind that thing, he's, he's like, man, something's wrong with this thing. Now it's my time to hit it. And basic predator prey relationships. And so speed can be uh, how fast we just reel it in or present, present something on the bottom, or it can be the speed in which we impede on a bait throughout the cast that can change itself. But one of a great way to fish a buzz bait is to not just necessarily throw out and reel it in, but reel it, reel it, reel it. When you come to a piece of cover and you hit that cover, speed it up a crank and then slow down. And man, so many times they'll hit it that way. And it's a result of that speed change because it happens over and over again. Yeah, good good tip on uh, varying the speed and making sure that you're doing something different. And, and for sure, the, the idea of when you do get a bite, try to duplicate what you were doing. 
That's exactly right. And then, then the whole other gamut comes into play. You know, did I have the color right, the size of the bait? You know, it, it'd be interesting to do a podcast sometime and tr- try to rank these out. It'd be fascinating to hear some of the guys that fish at the highest levels rank out the importance of speed, size, and color. And and, and there's other factors. You know, line size can go in a lot of different things. But all definitely matter some probably more important than others but speed is absolutely one of them you, you take a bait and fish it totally the wrong speed for the wrong time of year you're going to be less successful absolutely and you know what there's somebody that's listening saying wow i just want to go fishing and relax and now i have to think about all this stuff but it's imp- <laughs> it's important for the people that do it at higher levels and it's important for the weekend angler that that wants to be successful and learn more and many of our listeners do and uh, i know they learn a lot from you every week dan i appreciate having you on and uh, i uh, will talk to you next week Dave, always my pleasure. Talk to you soon. Oh, that's awesome. That was Dan Johnson. I am Dave Kranz. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit keepamericafishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Starley is remote. And this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say that the people I have on this uh, segment have a passion for the outdoors. My next guest certainly does. He is Scott Ellison. He is the uh, Major League Fishing Marketing Promotions Manager. Welcome to the show, Scott. Hello, thank you for having me, sir. Oh, excellent. So once again, you've got the high school fishing camp coming up. I look at the names of the people that are going to be instructing and helping these uh, young uh, students that want to be a uh, professional angler, possibly, or maybe even just in the industry. But I, I see Jordan Lee, Dustin Cannell, Mark Daniels Jr., uh, Josh Bertrand, uh, Jesse Fuentes, Matt Stephan, Skeet Reese, and more. Uh, holy smokes, what an opportunity. 
Yes, sir. And a lot of those anglers were ones that presented last year. And so it's a, a never changing uh, schedule of pro anglers coming. And so uh, some of those that you listed are able to come this year. But then we've got some new ones, obviously, um, anglers from both the Bass Pro Tour and the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit. And so I think all in all, there's about 12 presenters coming uh, uh, from those pro ranks that the students are going to be able to learn from during the three day camp. Excellent. So, um, we're going to give this at the end again too, but there's room to get in this camp that's coming up here the 8th, 9th, and 10th of June. And, uh, how do people get to see if, uh, they want to sign up for it, what the cost is, what, what the, uh, particulars are? Absolutely. So at majorleaguefishing.com forward slash camp, um, that's where you'll be able to find all the details, uh, for this year's camp and, uh, hit the registration button if you'd like to come and join us. Uh, the camp is being hosted at Murray State University in Western Kentucky, uh, right along the banks of Kentucky Lake. And so each day uh, the students will be bused out to Ken Lake State Park. It's a, a beautiful park right there on the shores of Kentucky Lake where we'll be doing all the sessions with the pro anglers. Um, and so they're going to be leaving uh, that camp experience with, with a whole lot of knowledge. And I believe this is going to be the uh, fourth or fifth year uh, camp. Let's see. It's the fifth year that we're doing this camp, uh, and it's right there in our backyard, uh, the Major League Fishing uh, headquarters of Benton, Kentucky. It's our operations office. That's um, right, right by where we're located, and so it's a, a great venue for us to be able to showcase uh, our region, but then hosting students from all over the country um, for the for the camp. Yes, absolutely. I think it's a great thing for uh, anybody interested in uh, getting a, an education in a short amount of time. Uh, give us a little rundown. What what's uh, what would they expect? What's going to happen on on those days, and what kind of information are they going to be taught? Sure, and, and I'll mention one thing too. Uh, you know, with this being our, our fifth year doing this, uh, we've we've had campers come multiple years. They've, they've had a great experience and want to come back the following year. But we're to the stage now where a lot of those students have graduated from high school uh, and are, are now fishing on college teams, and they're coming back to serve as our camp counselors. And so it's kind of becoming a full circle with, with those students graduating and, and still wanting to be involved with it. And it's something these students really enjoy. Um, but when they check in on campus on Wednesday, June 8th, um, they're going to be greeted with all kinds of cool swag from the camp sponsors uh, to, to get them uh, geared up for fishing and uh, we'll start off with uh, opening ceremony and all the meals are provided during the camp so we'll have dinners lunches and breakfasts uh, all all provided throughout the camp um, and those are those are provided by various sponsors that are presenting those but uh, all the housings included as well uh, we're going to be staying on campus at Murray State University um, the Murray State fishing bass fishing team will be there helping serve as counselors and other surrounding universities are sending students as well to help help serve as camp counselors. And then obviously the MLF staff is a big part of it too. But, um, but yeah, all day Thursday, uh, we have two morning sessions and two afternoon sessions for the students. And something that's even, even cooler is the adults can come with their son or daughter to attend camp. We have some coaches that come. Uh, boat captains that come and we have special adult sessions for um, for those adults that want to come and attend as well. And so, uh, like I said, there's still lots of spots available. Uh, well, not lots of spots, but we still have with with about three weeks left before camp starts. Uh, there's openings if people are wanting to wanting to get in and get involved. Um, but but the numbers are looking really good. Um, 
compared to last year, it's it's up quite a bit uh, as far as the camp participation after COVID closed us down there for a little bit. But now we're we're back and rolling and and really excited to uh, to have all the students here. I think last year we may have had close to twenty states represented, and I think we're we're right at that or a little bit over it this year as far as the number of states represented. Uh, at the camp, and so the students literally come from from all corners of the U.S. to uh, to Western Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, I think it's awesome that you do something for the coaches and the or the parents that are gonna that are coming because many times I've seen here. I coach a couple of high school teams here in Northern Illinois, and many times you'll get a student that gets into it, wants to be on the bass team, and and becomes on the bass team. The parents want to help, but they don't have the knowledge on how to help the kid. Now they can go to something like this and get some knowledge that can be more helpful and uh, with all the the kids that are on the team when they're volunteering to uh, you know be a coach or a boat driver or, or whatever they they have the capacity to do exactly yeah you hit hit it on the head there um, that, that's exactly what what it's there for for the adults to just learn how they can better support these anglers and give them uh as much knowledge and opportunity to to continue forward because a lot of these young anglers you know we ask the question how many of you want to be a pro angler someday and, and a lot of them do raise their hands but this camp really opens their eyes to all the opportunities that, that are there in in the sport of fishing, in the business of fishing. There's so many different, uh, you know, paths you can travel in our industry. And so we would like to try and open their eyes to that, that, yeah, it's great to dream to be a pro angler, like some of these, uh, you know, anglers that'll be there helping with the sessions. But there, there's a lot of a lot of cool things you can do within our industry because it, it's a big industry. Yeah, and I think this opens a lot of doors for many of these high school and collegiate kids, as well as getting an education, get their business degree. And you look at the professionalism of these kids on stage when they're weighing in fish at high school and college events, and the the way they recognize sponsors that are helping them, and the way they're they ju- they're just learning life skills that aren't only fishing. That is correct. Absolutely, no doubt about it. And uh, we have. Uh, you know, different people from the industry there to do those types of sessions with the students. Um, one of the sessions is called career readiness, uh, where they, you know, learn about the degrees and how to sell yourself and, and, and how to speak for sponsors and provide them and provide them value, uh, as an angler. Um, you know, even at the high school level, we have, uh, local businesses that support those teams. And so it's just a matter of showing them, you know, how, how to provide value for those people so that it's a win-win for everybody. It is, and and I'm sure it's got to be a, as much fun for many of these pros that come back to instruct, or the the uh, like you said, the kids that had gone through before, whether they were in college, and then they come back and they they help with the camp uh, counseling. Because I, I believe our industry is an industry that uh, does like to educate more people, so that we're all successful at it. Because it's really not that big. There, it's a you know, as many dollars that are done in the sport fishing industry, it, it's kind of a smaller family. When you when you go to ICAST, it looks kind of overwhelming. But when you look at the the real number of uh, players, there aren't that many. It, it, it so many people you see that I know I haven't missed an ICAST since 1991, and I, I see it's friends, it's family, it's people that you get to see uh, year after year. And I'm sure that's what this is becoming going since it's going to be the fifth year. Yes, sir. Yeah, you bet. Absolutely. All right. So uh, let's let's make sure they know how to get uh, to this. Give that information again for uh, Major League Fishing, how they can sign up for it. 
Yes, sir. And, and I'll also mention, too, um, you know, go to majorleaguefishing.com forward slash camp, and that'll get you to the camp website to uh, learn more about it and, and see kind of what it entails. Um, we're getting ready to post the 2022 schedule on the website so that people can see what, you know, what we have going on and what to expect. Um, we have, you know, various sessions that cover, you know, some of the more important things like boating safety, um, fish care, um, but then also your tactics and, and ways to, you know, become a better angler um, from from these pros. Um, but there's a new session this year, too, uh, uh, in regards to mental game. And we're having uh, hosting a, a sports psychologist from Alabama who will be there to help talk about the mental aspect of bass fishing and, and how to you know, keep your head in the game, because that's a big part of it as well that people sometimes overlook um, as far as being successful on the water. And so I'm excited to see that that session added this year. Um, but we also have our charity tournament at the end of camp. And so during the actual camp, they're, they're not actually on the water fishing. It's just about, um, you know, learning from the pros, getting to ask them questions and, and meeting your fellow campers and, and networking and things like that. But on Saturday, June 11th, we'll have a, the MLF Foundation charity tournament uh, that allows campers to stay, uh, stay one extra day and fish that with us on Kentucky Lake. And so that, that's an opportunity to, you know, uh, scratch the itch once you've been talking fishing at the camp to go out on the water and, and catch fish, too. So uh, it's a team format event. And so there's uh, that opportunity at the end as well. It's three hundred dollars to attend the camp, um, in which I, I, I feel is a great deal. We haven't changed the price since we started this back in uh, 2018, but it covers all their all their housing and meals and instruction and transportation and uh, they'll they'll get to leave with a lot of a lot of cool sponsor items as well. So it's it's very well worth it. And I know it's tough traveling these days, but um, you know, hopefully people can can make it a family event and come. You know, a father and son, or a mother and son, or daughter. Uh, we've got quite a few girls coming this year too, uh, and so that's great to see as well. So it's uh, shaping up to be another great event here in a, in a few weeks. Excellent. And and the website that they can get this information again is majorleaguefishing.com forward slash camp excellent excellent yeah $300 I think is very well worth the uh, the education the training and the uh, the skills that they'll learn there and uh, I, I think it's a great thing and I look forward to talking to someone from Major League Fishing next year about it and and I'm sure there'll be just as much excitement going forward and, and, and even if you're not able to make it this year go to that website check it out so you get a feel for it maybe you've got a student that's going to be in college next next year and uh, wants to go to a, a, you know fish on their college team maybe you can get them signed up for next year but it doesn't have to be right now but this is something that i'm sure is going to continue and uh, definitely appreciate having you on scott absolutely and i'll mention one last thing too that i just thought of it is for for high school students um, but if if you're a student who has just graduated from eighth grade and will be a freshman next year that that's the first person that can come and then if you're a graduating senior from high school right now and you're going to be going off to college next year or whatever um you're you're also eligible so that's the age range for people that can sign up for this so i know there's uh seventh and eighth graders out there that that are eager to come to the camp uh they'll just have to wait until they're till they're uh, in that in that uh age range but um uh, yes, sir. We're, we're excited and welcome any, anyone and everyone. And, and my email is, is scott.ellison at majorleaguefishing.com. If anyone wants to reach out to me with questions, uh, please feel free to do so and uh, we'll, we'll get you set up. That is awesome. Thanks, Scott. We appreciate it and uh, looking forward to seeing how the event turns out. Hey,
All righty, sir. Thank you for having us. Oh, no problem. That was Scott Ellison, Major League Fishing Marketing Promotions Manager. I am Dave Cran. Steve Starley is remote. And this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. We will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta. We're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. But of course, ever since COVID began, we have been uh, separated. We'll get back together again someday. I cut down on a lot of traveling. Uh, was happy to go and uh, make it to the Red Crest Major League Fishing Championship this year, the, the, the uh, tournament and the uh, outdoors expo that they have. And I got to meet somebody for the first time. Don't know why I haven't met him before. Don't know why he hasn't been on the show. But I was fortunate enough to be introduced to him by my good friend Ken Duke from Fishing Tackle Retailer Magazine. And he is here. He is Mr. Stephen Browning. Hey, Stephen Browning, how are you? Hey, Steve, I'm doing very well, sir. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure, believe me. And, you know, the amazing thing is that we did, uh, we talked about that, said I'd like to have you on the show uh, you know, we get kind of intense during this time of the year with guys, you know, winning a tournament here, you know, with, with the different leagues and that. And I said, you'd make it easier for me if you just go out and win one real quick and we'll get John right away. And, and, and you definitely, uh, respond to a challenge because boom, you win this, uh, major league fishing Patriot cup, uh, last week, an incredible performance. And, uh, I, I, I'd like to think that you wanted because I challenge you to do it to get you on the show, but I think you did it for other reasons. Well, if that's the reason that I won, <laughs> I need to hang out with you more so you can challenge me more. <laughs> oh, goodness. I tell you what, Stephen Browning, I had the, the best time talking to you and, and felt so bad. And I told Ken afterwards, I said, can't believe I don't know him. He's about the nicest guy in the business. Uh, what, what, a, what a gentleman and an and a, and a, uh, intelligent, uh, intelligent speaker. Uh, definitely happy that I, I got to know him for a little bit, and I'm happy to have you on. 
Well, I appreciate you having me, Steve. I really do. Let's talk about some things, and then we'll go into your career and your sponsors and stuff like that. But first of all, this Patriot Cup, um, you, you want it. You want it in grand fashion. Explain this, because I think a lot of people still don't understand the Major League Fishing structure. you got the Bass Pro Tour, which... It, it, other than some of the rules, is is similar to following you know the Bassmaster Elite type of events, and then Major League Fishing has these cups. Uh, explain what the cups are and, and how you get involved in those. Well, uh, the the way we actually qualified for the cup events for uh, for the twenty twenty two season was that during the twenty twenty one season we split our events up into four groups. We had uh, 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 events one and two, kind of a standalone to, to qualify for uh, for a cup events. Uh, events three and four were standalone events to qualify for a cup stand, and then uh, events five and six were a standalone, and then event seven. So uh, I, I qualified for the Patriot Cup through the events of, of, of five and six, and uh, you actually had to be in the top twenty four. Um, of those two events combined, so uh, we were able to accomplish that, and uh, and off to Dallas, Texas, we went uh, to uh, you know to compete at the Patriot Cup. Excellent, excellent, and, and the the cups have smaller fields than the uh, Bass Pro Tour events, correct? That is correct. You know, and and the thing about the cup events, they are a no practice, absolutely no information uh, events. So. All we are told is a uh, a hotel that we all meet at, and uh, you know from there we uh, we carry what what tackle you know we think might work in the region, and uh, we load our boats up of a morning, and our our boat officials actually take us to the lake, which we have no clue where we're going. Um, it's a uh, you know it's kind of a, a Shot in the dark, man. It's it's a deal where where you know you you kind of you anticipate a few areas, but the deal is, Steve, and and you know you know the region, but man, they're liable to throw in a little bitty lake because there's such a small uh, field. You know, there's only eight of us competing at any one given time, so you know we can have it on on smaller bodies of water and that's that worked out perfect for the Dallas area. I, I absolutely love that concept. I, I truly do because when you think about it, if if you were to have a, wanted to have a tournament on Lake Fork, it'd be a year in advance. You'd have to have to get the permits and the permission to do something like that. You get these smaller bodies of water. You can almost do it on very little notice. Like if you were a fishing club rather than major league fishing, you pick out this small body of water. Boom, you're on it, and you can do this stealthy and surprise people. And, and it's kind of like the way the first Bassmaster Classic was, which I always wish would have come back. Um, <laughs> you know that uh, do it do it on on the on the down low, I guess, as they say in, in modern parlance. But uh, uh, I, I think that's great. Now you, you're this Patriot Cup you won, and, and remember he said no practice. Just think about that, folks. Uh, you're hitting a lake for the first time. Uh, most people listening to this are, are amateur fishermen. And you go out to the lake for the first time, and you're skunked. You know, you you don't know anything. You you know, you got to figure it out. Uh, you, you don't have any idea what this lake is all about. You guys are going out for the first time, and man, you got to catch fish because there's big money on the line. Can't imagine how difficult that is. 
Well, you know, the funny thing about it, when we all group up, you group up in the morning, and uh, uh, Randy White, the producer of the show, actually gives you the layout of the lake. Uh, no contour lines. It's just strictly the layout of the lake and, and what it looks like from up above without any contour lines. And uh, there were a couple of guys that knew a little bit about the lake. I don't know that any of us had ever fished the lake, uh, you know, prior to the competition. So, you know, the way the format is, it kind of puts everybody on on an even playing field. And then uh, it's kind of, it's you know just like what you said, Steve. It's it's like hey, it's just like your listeners going out on a new body of water. Hey, you got to figure it out, and whoever figures it out the fastest and and to catch you know the better quality fish has the great day. That is absolutely incredible to me. So if uh, I, I always like uh, you know humps that come out of deeper water as a good fish holding spot. The only way you're going to find one of those is by accident crossing the water with a, with a, with a good GPS on and and seeing it for the first time and, and I and and stopping and saying I'm going to check this out or I'm going to run past it a couple times and look at it. Can't even imagine uh, how you, how you would do that. I, I would think that. Uh, you're going to concentrate on shallow water and shorelines and docks more than anything because you're looking at things that are visible. Is that true? It's true. It's very true. And and the other factor is is that our boat officials actually update you on every fish that is being caught. So it, that puts a little extra pressure on you as well. If the other guys are catching them, you're not. It makes you fish a little faster, makes you kind of get in a hurry and kind of out of a rhythm. So uh, it's very important to get off to a good start as well as, uh, you know, keeping that good momentum throughout the course of the three periods. Excellent. Now, what were the – you ended up fishing three different lakes during this tournament. What were they? And uh, describe them. Uh, Lake Louisville was our, our, our elimination round and, uh, Lake Louisville is a, it's, it's fairly a flat lake that, uh, you know, it's, it, I want to say it's, it's, uh, north of Dallas just a little bit. And, uh, you know, it, it just, the lakes were down this, this particular lake was down a little bit and, uh, pretty basically it was shoreline cover, you know, whether if it was a, a little rock transitions or, or channel swings that got up next to the bank or, I uh, I was talking of timber kind of in the back ends of, of main lake creeks. And, uh, you know, that's how I succeeded there. And then uh, the, the next lake was Eagle Mountain Lake. And, and uh, that's a little bit west and of Dallas, north and a little bit west of Dallas as well. Uh, Eagle Mountain Lake is one that we fished a, an E-50. If some of your listeners remember the old Bassmaster E-50 tournaments, mm -hmm. uh, we fished one there years and years and years ago. So there were a few of us that had a little bit of knowledge about that lake. It's a, uh, a it's a little narrower and a little, I would, I would think that it's a little deeper. Lots and lots of boat docks on Eagle Mountain Lake. And uh, a lot of the, uh, the fish that were being caught there, I chose to fish some some reeds uh, that you know were were had about two feet of water on them, and uh, and ended up catching two real good fish at the end of the day that that allowed me to qualify for the championship round. Uh, in that same type of uh, stand and timber stick up type type cover, and uh, and then we went on from uh, Eagle Mountain Lake to uh, Lake Levon, 
and uh, that was the one that uh, the championship round was on. And and like I said, there were very few of us that had any idea that even Lake Levon existed. And uh, <laughs> you know, there was a again fall time of the year. Lake was down. I'm gonna say probably three feet or so. And uh, you know, I just I, I kind of picked up to where I left off on the other two lakes and uh, picked up my chatterbait. Uh, I was throwing a white three eighths ounce jackhammer with a uh, a razor shad, a, a Z-Man razor shads on the back end of, of it, pearl color, and uh, timber with it, and then uh, it worked out. Started working out real well for me in the mornings, and uh, just carried the momentum right on throughout the course of the day. Very, very cool. What What do you consider your uh, uh, most productive technique is for Stephen Browning on a personal basis? You know, Steve, if I just had to go fishing on any body of water, it would probably be one of the Texas lakes that have grass in them. Uh, I love, absolutely love fishing a, a big jig or a big heavy weight uh, soft plastic bait out in 15 to 25 feet of water on the edge of that good hydrilla that they have. But uh, the, the chatterbait, especially the jackhammer, has... Uh, has played a, a big role in the success that I've had over the last couple of years on major league fishing and especially on the Bass Pro Tours. And, uh, you know, it, that's, that would definitely be my second one. Okay, excellent. So it sounded like this did not uh, hurt you, did not play away from your strengths at all. Oh, you know, the funny thing about it is uh, when I landed on the lakes and saw the watercolor of each of these individual lakes, I had a, I just had a hunch that these that you could catch shallow fish, and uh, you know I just I just attacked the shallow water first during the first period, and it and it, and it worked, and uh, I just kind of rolled with it throughout the course of the day on each of the each of the uh, uh, different lakes. You did well. You did well. Uh, excellent. Glad to see how everything worked out there. Wait, uh, got a question for you. I uh, ask you a sponsor question. Um, what rods do you use? Uh, I, I use a St. Croix rod. This is a, a tournament. Uh, it's called a tournament uh, legend tournament bass series rod. And uh, the one that I use is a 7.2 medium heavy moderate. And uh, it is a, um, I like, you know, uh, throwing a, uh, that style of bait, the, the jackhammer, I like a, a, a softer, a little softer rod because sometimes you get a lot of bites right at the boat when the bait starts rising up. And, uh, and so you got to have a soft rod to, to let that fish hit, you know, grab that bait on a short string, so to speak. And then you also have to have a lot of backbone if he bites out there on the end of your cast. And, uh, you know, that, that particular rod really, really works out well for what my techniques are with the uh, with the jackhammer. One of the reasons I ask is uh, St. Croix is the title sponsor of We Fish ASA. They've been with us since day one. And how about that? For all of you folks out there to say, oh, St. Croix, that Wisconsin rod company, they're really good making that walleye stuff. Well, we got Stephen <laughs> Browning just, just, just won himself Patriot Cup. Two weeks ago, I had uh, young Jesse Wiggins on who won a, uh, a Bass Pro event on Lake of the Ozarks, and both of these guys are St. Croix pros. So, hey, all you bass fishermen out there, take a much closer look at St. Croix rods. These are the real deal, and the guys that are cashing these six-figure checks are guys using St. Croix rods. 
Let's play a St. Croix commercial, play a couple more commercials, and we come back. We'll have more on Steve Sarley with my new friend, Stephen Browning. Excellent, excellent fisherman and a great guy. We Fish ASA will be right back. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet AFCO's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from AFCO. Learn more at aftco.com slash overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Surley. Happy to be here with one of the nicest guys I've met in this business and a darn good fisherman, Stephen Browning from Hot Springs, Arkansas. I love Arkansas, Stephen Browning. It's... Uh, uh, an amazing, an amazing state, and other than uh, uh, hot springs and uh, uh, where, uh, where, where the heck is uh, where the heck is Walmart at? Uh, Bentonville. Bentonville. It, it, it's the it's the biggest collection of small towns I've ever seen. Uh, you drive 50 miles on the highway, and you'll pass 25 of those green signs that say <laughs> population 800. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we we do have we do have several little small uh, you could call them town communities whatever here in Arkansas, but that's kind of what makes this place special. They're uh, they're all little individual uh, you know communities that that support each other and support the the people within it, and uh, it uh, kind of makes it a, a close knit state. That's for sure. I tell you, I, I was talking to a, I was at a wedding uh, this past Saturday. I talked to a, a friend that moved down there a number of years ago from here. And we were uh, arguing the, uh, the the pros and cons of living in Arkansas and, and Illinois. And Illinois is mostly cons. I hate to say that, but uh, we're on a bad streak right now. And uh, Arkansas sounds really good. And I said to him, I said, so, so Jimmy, tell me about chiggers. And it, it, his face just kind of dropped and he looked pale. And he goes, oh, so you heard about them. And I said, yeah, what is the deal with it? That sounds like the plague for Pete's sake. That's funny you say that because I'm a, I, I absolutely love during the fall time of the year getting out and uh, spending a lot of time in the woods and uh, 
you you just it's one of those little critters that you just have to deal with if you're going to be an outdoorsman in the state of Arkansas, whether if you're a turkey hunter or a deer hunter, squirrel hunter or whatever. You're going to get a few. You're going to get your share of chiggers running around here. I promise you. I, I said for for those who, and they're only they're only living in a very few handful of states. You you can't see them. And, and they bite and they eat you alive, and it's it's tough to keep off them. And they they come up out of the grass, and uh, it, it's just an amazing pest. But you know what? <laughs> Every, everywhere else we got mosquitoes, and I know you really don't have those down there like like uh, like we do. So it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. I think Arkansas. I think Arkansas is great. I yes, think it's, it's a beautiful state. It really is, and it, and it's a lot of diversity, Steve. You know, uh, there's a lot of very, very successful fishermen uh, that have came from this state. You know, you're Larry Nixon, George Cochran, Mark Davis. I could go on and on. And the state just offers a lot of diversity uh, as far as upland reservoirs in the north and also over here around the Hot Springs area where I'm from. And then the Arkansas River and White River, uh, you know, the shallow water fisheries uh, that, that runs down right straight through the middle of the state. So it, it, there's a lot of diversity, a good learning curve here in the state of Arkansas. And I think that's the reason that you've seen, uh, you know, very good fishermen come from here uh, over the past few years, for sure. It sure is. And you mentioned White River. I've got a, I know a guy from up here that goes down there for a week every year to, to fish for trout. And uh, that's like a, a world-renowned uh, location. People come from all over the world to fish trout on the White River, which is something you wouldn't think of somebody going to Arkansas for as trout fishing. It's true, but uh, the White River offers some, like you said, world-class uh, trout fishing, whether it be the big browns or, or rainbow, it uh, cutthroat. I mean, we we have them, and, uh, and they grow big, and they take good care of them up there. And that's a, uh, yeah, I, it's funny because one of the places up there is a, uh, they have a little landing strip right outside all the all the hotel rooms, and uh, and it's I mean the planes just come and go, and 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 to see and hear from where the people are from, it it absolutely is amazing to to know that that uh, you know the state of Arkansas has a trout population that attracts people from areas where you would you would think that are more trout you know oriented areas. It's funny you said that about the the uh, air uh, you know airplanes. Because I think if you stood there for a couple of days, you would see a lot of private planes coming in. Uh, with oh, absolutely. People with a lot of money flying in from, you know, major metropolitan areas coming in from the West Coast or whatever and, and getting off. And you got the jackets with the little patches on the elbows, you know, and they're, they're there to fly fish for trout. And uh, just not something you'd expect to see, but, uh, uh, you know, a really high-end clientele. Uh, and it completely blows my mind. Well, it is like I said, you know, and and again, it just goes back to the to the diversity of our state. It is a, uh, it really is a cool place, and yeah. uh, you know, every time I'm I'm on the road and I come back home, uh, whether if it's driving through the Delta or driving over the mountains in, in the Northwest, it just man, it just uh, it gives you a sense of pride to be from be from Arkansas and be an Arkansan. Excellent, absolutely excellent. You know, you are a graduate of uh, Arkansas Tech University. And we're always promoting that, you know, especially with uh, the, the college fishing and high school fishing today, how important education is, because it, it, it's, it's real easy to say, hey, I'm a, I don't need to go to school. I'm going to be a professional fisherman. 
uh, just the same way as kids will say, "Hey, I don't need I don't need college. I can go into the NBA right after high school." Well, you know, it's a one in a hundred million chance that that's to happen, and and probably the same thing. And I, I think number one, you need an education to fall back on. Number two, there are educations that uh, uh, parlay into something beneficial for fishing. Number one, business, because fishing is a business and you got a lot of business to do. But your degree is in fish and wildlife management. Did that help you become what you are in the world of fishing today? You know, it it did. I spent a lot of time uh, throughout college and also early in my my professional, my other professional career. I was a wastewater treatment plant inspector, so I, I you know, I stayed on the water and and, and sampled a lot of water and and uh, you know, having that that biology degree and and the fish and, and wildlife management degree really allows me to have a better understanding of what each individual lake itself has to offer so to speak so when you go to like a, a lake fork you know that you need to be fishing for you know five to six pounders but if you go to like my lake here it, uh that i live on in hot springs at uh, lake hamilton a, a two pounder is a is a good fish mm-hmm. so it helps me understand really what those bodies of water has to offer and how i need to attack them as far as you know, bait selection, uh, you know, areas of the lake uh, and, and all. So it, uh, yes, it, it, it definitely has, I feel like, propelled me to, you know, to where I'm at today. Very good. Good, good. And I hope uh, any kids out there listening are taking heed of that. Um, you have fished in 10 classics. Mm-hmm. You, you have not won one, uh, which is no no uh, bad mark on you. There's very few people that get into class. You know, I think qualified for classic is like getting into the Super Bowl. You know, it doesn't. You know, even if you lose the Super Bowl, man, you got in there. It's pretty dang good. But your most memorable classic may not have been any of the ten you fished in. Uh, I, I would think your most memorable classic is one that you uh, participated in when you were very young, but did not have a rod and reel in your hand. I did, you know. Uh, you, you knew where I was going with this, didn't I you? I know exactly what you're saying. In, in 19, yes, sir, in 1984, the Bassmaster Classic came to Pinebluff, Arkansas, which was my hometown. And uh, I was 17 at the time. And uh, that that particular event, the funny thing about it, I hope you, your listeners don't think I'm a bad driver, but one of the days that I was going out to, I was a volunteer to pick up guys at, at to and from the boat ramps and carry them with their boats. Well, I was on my way back out to uh, to deliver, a, uh, or to go pick up an angler, had a trailer behind me, empty trailer behind me, a little S10 uh, Chevy uh, uh, Blazer or Tahoe. I don't even remember what they were back in the days, but uh, a car pulled out in front of me and I flipped the back end of it and it kind of took that vehicle out of service. And uh, they needed vehicles, you know. So Ray Scott actually told, said that uh, that he would allow me to drive. He had a big Suburban now. It wasn't an S10. It was a big one. And uh, I actually had the privilege of taking uh, Ray Scott, uh, Pooley Dawson, who was the uh, Ray's right-hand man on the, on the running the trail, Dewey Kendrick, who was a tournament director, and Bob Cobb. And uh, I would carry, uh, actually, Ray drove to the ramp. I would dump, dump them in, and I would use Ray's uh, Suburban shuttling uh, anglers back and forth from, to the ramp, and then I would pick them all up 
in the afternoon after blast off or of a morning after blast off and i would uh carry them back to the convention center and i, I didn't i didn't wreck race uh suburban by the way i, I was very <laughs> careful with it but uh that was that that particular event was kind of it kind of sparked my fire as as far as where i wanted to go and and uh what i wanted to do for a living and uh it took me 12 years to you know of 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 you know graduating high school graduating college getting out saving enough money to uh you know to enter some of these you know national tournaments i was a decent regional fisherman but uh, you know i started entering national tournaments and uh had success in the beginning in uh 1997 i uh you know i i, I kind of bowed out of the working force and went full-time professional angler and the good lord has blessed me since then you know to to put enough fish in the live well or put enough fish on the scales to uh, to make a pretty decent career at it. Yeah, you, you, you're, you're, you're certainly making a, a darn good living, and, and you've always got a smile on your face, which tells me that you're living a life that includes enjoying what you do, and I don't know what is better than that. Well, I've, I've always, you know, I, I, I learned to realize that Professional angler, anglers have a lot of highs and a lot of lows, and you cannot allow those lows to bring you down. You can't allow those highs to get you too high. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a guy that stays on an even keel and, and a smile on my face at all times because I, there's nothing in this world I would rather be doing, Steve. I mean, there really isn't. I mean, I, 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 mean, I would not be sitting here talking to you. I got a smile on my face just talking to you right now. I mean, I really do. And uh, it's just... Uh, you know, life for Stephen Browning is really, really good. I've got a wonderful wife that's very supportive. I've got a 20-year-old son that's uh, in in college on a on a fishing team, and it's just it it, it really is. You know, I, I stay positive, and I think you know those of us that do, and whatever you do in life, uh, your your life is going to be rewarded. Uh, you know, for staying positive. Excellent. I, I, I will definitely uh, keep this as one of my favorite interviews. Uh, you are a good guy, and you really uh, shared a lot of great information, uh, good stories, enjoyed it. Uh, I, I, hey, Ken Duke, thank you for introducing me to this man. Uh, I really appreciate that. I appreciate your talking to me and doing this, Stephen Browning. Uh, you, you are a great guy and a great fisherman. Go out and win another uh, Major League Fishing event this year. You, you just scored that big one in the, in the Cup, in the Patriot Cup. Uh, go out and take another uh, Bass Pro Tour win before the season ends. And we'll talk again soon. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you, sir. Take care. Stephen Browning, Major League Fishing, winner of the Patriot Cup. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guest, Dan Johnston from St. Croix, Scott Ellison from the High School Fishing Camp, put on by Major League Fishing and my new friend Stephen Browning. Great interview, great guy, great fisherman Stephen Browning. I'd like to thank our sponsor St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta. Makers of a lot of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. Boy oh boy, they certainly do. Daiwa Reels. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one hour podcast each and every week available wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. If you like what you hear, please let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or somebody you think we ought to have on the show, please let us know that too. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. 
We'll see you next week. Now, let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.